Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Third and Short Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Will. Uh, without Cade, probably will not be a super long recap to week 11. Uh, there were no real true big upsets. It's only the second time in the college football playoffs era that the committee's top 10 teams did not suffer a loss. Uh, so we'll kind of we'll go through some of the games and break down where teams are improving, where teams are falling, uh, and give a brief overview, but uh, probably not a terribly long uh, recap. But we will go ahead and start Thursday night. North Carolina State fell for the third time this year to Wake Forest, a Wake Forest team that did not have its true freshman quote-unquote phenom quarterback, Sam Hartman. Uh, but got a very good performance out of his backup and had a Cade Carney with 68 yards rushing. Uh, beat the Wolfpack 27-23. That's despite a 15-catch, 134-yard performance from Kelvin Harmon. Ryan Finley was decent in this game, uh, but the defense continues to let North Carolina State down, and they just cannot do enough even at home. Uh, I really feel like they should not be ranked, but for them to fall completely out of the rankings from being in the 14th spot, kind of doubt that it happens. But uh, another disappointing loss from North Carolina State team got off to a 5-0 and start and now 1-3 in their last four. They had Syracuse Trouts, Louisville, uh, Friday night 54-23, to including a 30-point second quarter. Uh, another big performance from Dungey. They are now set up for quite the game this weekend in the Shamrock Series as they get to play Notre Dame, an undefeated number three Notre Dame team in Yankee Stadium. Uh, I really think that Syracuse can apply good pressure here uh, when it comes to playing Notre Dame. They got a pretty good offense and a, and a defense that's improving in spots, certainly. They got a quarterback that I really like, some good outside threats. Uh, very physical team up front offensively. Like Syracuse chances, especially if Ian Book does not come back. I think he will. I, I think he'll play this weekend. Uh, certainly we'll know more by the time I preview that game. To me, it is definitely the biggest one of the weekend. Boise State pulled off a minor upset, 24-17 to over Fresno State. I mentioned it when we previewed it. Last week, it's always hard to pick against Boise State at home, but I like what Fresno State had done. Felt like they were a mismatch in their passing offense with how Boise State had struggled in the secondary. Some year, McMarion did have a solid game, but was not it was not the tremendous game that I thought that he was going to have. And Alexander Madison had a huge game, 30 carries, 144 yards, two touchdowns. Boise State did a very good job in this game of keeping them off the field. And that really was their key to victory here is they got the big Mountain West win. Going to give themselves the uh, – they are now the favorite, I would definitely say, to win that conference. So a huge win for Boise State. They have – them and Fresno State have kind of separated themselves for the most part in that conference. Uh, obviously, Boise State's been one of the more successful programs the last decade and a half or so uh, in all of college football. And they are always tough to beat at home, come up with another big win. I did pick Fresno State to win. Kay did as well. Uh, but anytime you got to pick against Boise State on the blue, you're definitely nervous heading into it. And we'll get to our big Saturday games now. We'll start off in Athens. Georgia with a 27-10 win over uh, Auburn. And uh, what was a very impressive defensive performance after the first two or three drives for the Bulldogs. Um, 
Georgia had another great third down performance from Jake Fromm throughout the night. But the story of this game is the two running backs uh, for Georgia. First, Walker to have two 75-plus-yard touchdowns in the same season. Uh, from 13 to 20, 193 yards, two touchdowns. Terry Goblin's the leading receiver, three catches, 84 yards, and touchdown. The story of this game is Swift. Um, he is now healthy. He has exploded onto the scene the last three weeks after – having such high expectations coming into the year. I mean, I thought he was a Heisman, dark horse guy. Uh, did a very good job. He's super explosive. His cuts are definitely improving. Elijah Holyfield continues to finish off runs very strong. He almost had another 100-yard game here as well. Uh, runs hard, breaks tackles, finishes off runs extremely well. The offensive line, for the most part, is doing a very good job of opening up holes. We're still struggling in goal-to-go situations. We're one of the worst teams in the country. That's something that we're trying to fix, obviously. Uh, I think the way they use fields in this game is kind of what we're going to try to do to mask that a bit, try to get him in them goal-to-go situations, see if we can't you know, do some things with him to increase our chances of scoring. But the way the explosive this offense is um, – it meshes really well with a defense that does a great job of keeping plays in front of them for one of the best teams in the country and not allowing the big play. Uh, Auburn had a little bit of success in spurts running the ball, but for the most part, this was another dominant performance. It's only the you know the first time since 2009 that Auburn scored more than seven points in Athens. I said last week that I thought this would be a game that uh, – was kind of like the South Carolina win last year in Athens was for us. We won that game 24-10, won this one 27-10. If you look down the stats, everything's pretty similar, except we have more rushing yards. But time of possession was then six or seven seconds, I believe, of each other. Uh, this year we were eight for 13 on third downs. Last year we were eight for 15 against South Carolina. It was just a very similar game from roughly the same range of passing yardage. Uh, we just wanted to control clock, and we did. Uh, seemed like we had the ball for an eternity and got a little bit of pressure on Stidham a little bit more as the game went on, but we really did a good job just keeping things in front of us. We tackled well. Monty Rice is really uh, coming on strong now that he's healthy the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's proven to be a key difference maker. Yeah, Adam Anderson is starting to emerge some as a as a pass rusher. We did have Chris Stokes had a good game out at uh, cornerback. Uh, kind of replacing Tyson Campbell that game. We'll see how that works going forward, but I thought we did a very good job winning the point of attack on offense, on, on offense and defense, and I thought we tackled pretty well, kept everything in front of us, uh, particularly early in the first play of the game. They tried to run a little flea flicker, flea flicker pass, uh, tried to beat us over the top. Jordan Ledbetter was able to uh, get pressure immediately on Stidham, and uh, the pass ended up not being able to be thrown the way they wanted to, and you know they, they had some success early the first three drives. But we ended up having more rushing yards than Auburn did total yards. Auburn's now sitting at six and four. So they've already got their bowl game. Uh, should win week set, uh, you know, their seventh game this weekend before running into the Alabama Crimson Tide uh, in rivalry week. But not the season that Auburn fans were expecting. I thought before the season they'd be a really good nine and three, possibly eight and four team. Instead, they're more of a very disappointing seven and five team. Uh, you know, they had a Pretty brutal schedule, but have also just not played very well, not looked good for the most part. 
Um, I do not think they get rid of Gus Malzahn. I know that's kind of been a, a, a rumor, you know, a hot seat topic kind of going around. I just think the buyout is too much with the extension he just got last year. Uh, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't see – I think it's just too much money. Not that it's too much money that Auburn couldn't do it. I just don't think they will. Uh, great game for Georgia. We are slowly rounding into a, into form as a team that might be a little bit outside of that elite, elite class, which I think right now most people would consider the two elite teams to be Alabama, and then a little slight step below be Clemson, and then kind of the Notre Dame, Georgia, uh, Michigan group with Oklahoma a little bit outside of that. But I'm feeling more and more confident as we get close to the SEC Championship game. I think Georgia's playing very well right now, and we're looking very similar to the team that we were last year with the explosion in the run game. Uh, and the defense is getting a little bit better. Uh, but the team we will be playing in the SEC Championship game, Alabama with a 24 to nothing win over Mississippi State. Uh, they are the only team in FBS to not have allowed a point so far in November. The big story with Alabama is obviously to attack by Loa's knee. He had to leave the game real late in the third quarter. Uh, Jalen Hurts dealing with the ankle issues. They had to turn to the uh, third-string quarterback. And Mac Jones, who uh, played the, the fourth quarter, didn't really do a whole lot. That's three of six from minus one yards. This was a weak Tua performance. Just one touchdown to one pick. Uh, was not good. Even when he had a little bit of time, Mississippi State did a great job of getting pressure on him, getting lots of hits on him. So you can expect the quarterback to struggle in that situation. Um, they they actually you know slowed down Alabama's rushing to a pretty decent extent. My um, Josh Jacobs less than five yards a carry, Damian Harris less than four. The good and bad thing for Alabama is that they're not going to see maybe one other defensive line like this, but it would be a great one in uh, in Clemson. Mississippi State has a great defensive line. It really showed in this game, uh, but Nick Fitzgerald could do nothing throwing the football. They could not run it at all, and Alabama dominated time of possession, got out big early. They actually scored their first two drives, and then – Really struggled the rest of the way. I think they had like 140-some-odd yards their first two drives. They had like 150-something the rest of the game. Barely had 300 total yards. Uh, just not a great Alabama offensive performance. But this is Mississippi State defense that, that, that's tough, especially considering how, you know, the team struggled on third downs. Mississippi State was one of 13 in this game. But they did a good job of getting Alabama off the field. But, like, from a Georgia fan perspective, our defensive line is not as good as Mississippi State. So, you, you take this performance with a grain of salt. But if you're Clemson, I feel like you have to feel pretty good with how Mississippi State was able to slow them down. I think Clemson's totality of their defense is better than Mississippi State's. Certainly think their defensive line is better. So, you, you at least can kind of put yourself, you know, into thinking that you have a chance at slowing them down. Tua's knee, I would dress him. For the Citadel, but I would play Mac Jones and try to get through the game without having to use Tua at all. Uh, that knee is would be worrying me tremendously. I'm sure it is worrying Nick Saban and company. But if I'm that staff, I dress him next weekend in case I had to have him, you know, due to injury uh, to Jones or you know if Hurts is not ready to play. But I would try my damnedest to not play him and try and see if I can't. Get him a little rest on that knee. I don't think that they that they will because that 
tends to not be what teams do at the collegiate level. You know, you kind of see it a little bit more in the NFL with guys, you know, that when especially when a bye week or something is coming up. Uh, I think they I think they are going to play Tua, but if I were them, I would try to sit him this week, see if he can't get that rested up. Okay, Clemson go on the road and dominate Boston College 27-7. It really was not a great game for Clemson's rushing attack, which has been the, the big strength, especially coming off of a over 500-yard rushing performance uh, against Louisville. But it was another step in the maturation of Trevor Lawrence who continues to mature and grow and continue to develop into the quarterback that everybody thought he was when he came in as the number one quarterback in the country per 24-7 sports. Uh, Boston College had very little chance on offense already coming into this game, in my opinion. And that lessened even more when Anthony Brown got hurt on the first drive of the game. They just had no chance. They scored in the first quarter, didn't score again. A.J. Dillon really struggled against that front. Clemson's defense, if I've kind of been on record. I think Michigan's defense to me is the one that, like, when I watch them, looks the best. But Clemson's efficiency ratings are out of this world. And, you know, there's number one defense in the S&P Plus, number one defense on ESPN's efficiency ratings. I mean, it's – so, you know, if you think it's the best defense in the country, I certainly have no no you know no real qualms with that. Um, so what they can do on that side of the football is impressive. You add into how they usually run with Etienne and uh, and what they're developing with Lawrence and you know the wide receivers they got outside. It is it's a scary team. It's a team that I think is the clear number two in the country. Um and I've come away impressed, and they are definitely improving for sure. Uh, but yeah, Notre Dame forty-two to thirteen win over Florida State, despite uh, Ian Book not playing. This was a very typical Brandon William Bush performance. Completed less than fifty percent of his passes, but threw three touchdowns and two interceptions. I think on the on the whole, it was a pretty good performance from uh, from Wim Bush. I'm hoping Book is going to be back, and I'm sure you know Notre Dame fans are definitely hoping that he's back for next week. But they got a huge performance from Dexter Williams, the senior running back that's really come on strong this year. Over 200 total yards and two touchdowns in this game. Uh, career high in rushing yards for him. Notre Dame just continues to improve defensively. They, they, they show that they can be the run-first team again. Uh, not that this is a great Florida State team by any stretch of the imagination, but Notre Dame now heads in their final two games against Syracuse, uh, again, you know, in New York, and then the uh, the road trip to a USC team that is really struggling down the stretch. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I, Syracuse is going to be tough uh, for Notre Dame, for sure. But I think they're – I still think they're heading towards that undefeated season. Uh, which means they're going to get that berth into the uh, college football playoff. And one of the teams that they beat, Michigan, with a 42-7, very dominant win over Rutgers. Shea Patterson, they did a great job in this game of keeping him on rhythm. Uh, Simple reads, good passes, uh, showed a good arm. The first game in like seven or eight weeks, Higgins did not have 100 yards rushing, but when you have the defensive performance that they did, you had Patterson really come on strong in this one, quickly, quickly developing into an offense that can take advantage of weaker teams. It was good to see this on the road where the offense has struggled, 
you know, there's definitely been a drop off when they've gone on the road. Uh, we've talked about some of the teams the last couple of weeks have actually like Purdue has been better on the road, South Carolina has been better on the road. Uh, Michigan has not, and so this was good to see them go on the road, easily dispatched for Rutgers team. You know, had the offense look good even if Higdon did not, you know, break the hundred yard barrier. But uh, another impressive performance for Michigan. Again, I think from my eyes when I watch them, I think it's the best defense in the country. I worry still some about the offense. I, I, I really would see them definitely struggling against Alabama. I think they would definitely struggle against Clemson. But there's enough there with that defense where if they could somehow get to 20, they'd have a chance at the win. Oklahoma, 48-47. to 47. <laughs> Bedlam is the, was the correct word, uh, correct name of this rivalry uh, in their win over Oklahoma State. Oklahoma's defense is horrible. Uh, I mean, they gave up over 500 yards to Taylor Cornelius through the air. Tyler Wallace, 220 yards and two touchdowns. I said in the preview that Oklahoma's defense would be bad enough for I thought them guys put together some offense, but I was not expecting this. Oklahoma State in the fourth quarter scored a touchdown, missed an extra point, uh, then scored a touchdown where if they'd have made the extra point earlier, would have tied this game at 48. Extra point would have then subsequently give them uh, the 49-48 lead. Instead, with that touchdown late, they decided to go to two points for the win and had the pass get broke up. And Oklahoma comes out, you know, with a big victory. This was a lot of big plays, especially in the first half. Justice Hill had a pretty good game, along with all the success that Cornelius had through the air. Just, but it was just too much. Kyler Murray with another great game. Huge game for their two running backs, Brooks and Sermon, uh, each over 100 yards. I really thought it would be a C.D. Lamb, Hollywood Brown show. It was a Hollywood Brown show. He had a couple of really nice grabs. I mean, for a guy with his speed, he does an excellent job being able to pick the ball out of the air without losing any speed, catching the ball away from his body. Almost 150 yards through the air just for him. C.D. had three catches, 52 yards, so he his plays were explosive, just didn't have a lot. When you have Brooks go for a buck 65 and three touchdowns, and Trey Sermon go for 124 and two, uh, you know, kind of the way of the road. But yeah, Oklahoma's offense, A1. At worst, it's the second best in the country. But the defense, look, as good as the offense is, the defense is by far the worst of the top six teams. It's, it's not even close. I, I would say that everybody in the top six probably has a top 20-ish defense. Oklahoma wouldn't even be in the top half, probably, of, of defenses in the country. I mean, it, it would be near the bottom of all the Power 5 school defenses. I mean, it, it is rough. It is. They got some good players, but just don't have, whether it's a scheme, they just don't seem to be in the right position. They just give up too many big plays. Uh, I mean, it's worse than Ohio State's, but their offense is much better than Ohio State's, and that's kind of the big difference there. Uh, both in there, our interpretation of the two teams is about both having just one loss. Uh, well, that and the way that the, the, the two teams lost the game. But, uh, yeah, love Oklahoma's offense, but the defense is, is again down. Uh, I think it's going to be what keeps them winning the national title. LSU 24-17 win over Arkansas on the road. Despite Arkansas being a bad team, it's been a program that's kind of had LSU's number the last, you know, half decade or so. So it is a big win for LSU. It's a nice rebound off of the, uh, you know, the 29 and nothing loss at home to Alabama. Kind of get back, 
going a little bit. I still don't think LSU should be ranked seventh. I know they beat Georgia, and I know they beat Miami, and you know I know they've had some success this year, but you know I, I just with Washington State being a one-loss team behind them, you got West Virginia as a one-loss team, Ohio State's a one-loss team. I just LSU's schedule, yes, has been very tough. And, you know, they only have two losses with that schedule. But, uh, you know, we've kind of seen them come crashing back down to earth after the Georgia game for sure. Washington State, 31-7 to, to seven in a win at Colorado. Colorado started 5-0. They're since 0-5. Another huge game from Minshew for Washington State. He's kind of putting himself into that Heisman Fringe area, maybe getting an invite. I think he does end up getting it. Uh, Washington State's at 9-1. And, and this was kind of a very well put together game. Uh, I've kind of been hesitant to call them a team with a real uh, playoff shot. They were a little bit closer in this performance. You know, they did a pretty decent job of maintaining Montez and that passing attack. I mean, Montez threw 35 passes, so less than 200 yards passing. Uh, Chenault Jr. did get his, 10 catches, 102 yards. The defense did give up some big runs. They gave up a 64-yarder and an 18-yarder. Uh, one of those on a jet sweep to Chenault. But they ran the ball a little bit, Washington State did, and they obviously threw it a bunch. And, you know, they, their passing game is an extension of the run game a lot of the times. Pretty good defensive performance, I would say, overall. The offense was better than it was last week. So it's a big step back in the in the right direction. They would be outside of that top six for sure. Uh, I would say they have a better defense in Oklahoma, but the offense I don't think is near as good. I don't think it's near as explosive. Uh, they're not as complete a team as Georgia is. They definitely do not have a defense that matches Michigan, though their offense may be a little bit better. And then they're not as good as any of the top three teams uh, currently. So they're outside of that top six, but they're okay. Uh, you know, in in a year where we've got so much parity outside of the top 11 to 12 teams in the country where the next 30 are all pretty much the same teams in different styles and packages, they're a step above that. Um on a average year, is this a team that I think would be a top 10 top unit? Probably not, but with the way that they've rebounded from, you know, the the, the quarterback, you know, suicide situation from this offseason and, you know, overcoming that as a team and putting together this season is nothing short of a brilliant coaching job for Mike Leach. Like, you know, for, for all the love Stoops has gotten for what he's done at Kentucky up until the past two weekends, Leach being able to rally his team in that situation to put together this season has to be a coach of the year type of thing for me. Uh, it's as impressive a coaching job as I certainly have seen from him. One of the more impressive ones you'll see uh, just, you know, in college football. Uh, they're a good team. Uh, you know, I don't think they're a great team. I don't certainly don't think they're elite, but I think they're a good football team. With some good pieces that's got a chance to, you know, win that conference with just one loss. And you never know if you do that. Uh, but, yeah, West Virginia 47-10 stomping of TCU. I feel like we're staring down the barrel of back-to-back -back games between West Virginia and Oklahoma to finish out the season. 
But West Virginia has to go and uh, play Oklahoma State next weekend, who, despite the, the heartbreaking loss, has tended to play its best game so far this year against the best opponents. Uh, this was another great game for Will Greer. TCU actually gave up a bunch of yardage to Jalen Rager. Uh, so I, I don't like that, but giving up only 10 points to a, a bit of a dysfunctional TCU team, especially after the loss of Sean Robinson for the year. Uh, but big game for Greer in the offense. Uh, Petaway had a pretty decent game at running back. What they can do outside with that group of receivers is very impressive, and Greer is a great anchor man uh, for that offense. I cannot wait for them to play Oklahoma. I, I, I think it's going to be a shootout. I think they're going to be – it's got a potential to be – Certainly an all-timer the first time they played, and they played the next weekend. Could be another all-timer. Uh, it's going to be a very fun shootout game. Ohio State 26-6 over Michigan State. A very, very boring, very defensive, very offensive struggling type of performance. Haskins not look good. Weber had a decent game. Uh, this game heading into the fourth quarter was 9-6. And then Ohio State rattled off 17 points. Uh, in the fourth quarter, including a fumble uh, recovery touchdown. And, oh, God. Um, I said in the preview that I didn't think Michigan State was a team that was going to be able to take advantage of Ohio State's defense. They did not. L.J. Scott set out this game and is now going to redshirt. Get healthy for next year. Uh, so, Michigan State's uh, they have uh, come crashing down this year after the high hopes I have for them coming into it. Haskins was, again, not that impressive, but the run game has now had back-to-back weeks of being pretty solid for Ohio State, which is great for them after the very slow start they had this year. They are a long way, I think, from beating Michigan, even though the game is at Ohio State. And then rival games, you can always kind of throw the records and stats and everything out the window, but the, this team from the eye test is not the same one that I thought I saw the first half of the year, first five or six weeks. Uh, but I mean, there's still talent. They still can certainly beat Michigan. But I think the way we're looking at it right now, the way Michigan's rolling, I, I, Ohio State's really going to struggle to move the ball against that defense. Uh, but, I mean, on the plus side, Michigan on the road could definitely struggle to move the ball against Ohio State. Lots going to be on the line that game. We'll see if a Harbaugh can, can finally take down Meyer. Kentucky has definitely come all the way crashing back down to earth. 24-7 loss. They just cannot win in Knoxville. Cannot get their back-to-back wins over Tennessee. 24-7 uh, to 7 loss. This was a very efficient performance from Guarantano. Tennessee did a great job balling up Snell and Wilson running the football. Wilson tremendously struggled to throw it in this game, fell right back down to, you know, some of the improving that he'd had the last couple of weeks. Uh, completely dominated Kentucky up front. Cannot just cannot be one-dimensional. And then you have the situation where Tennessee hit the Hail Mary, and they just kind of cruised in the second half. Uh, thought Tennessee did a pretty good job of running the football in, in the little bit that I watched it. Very disappointing you're a Kentucky fan to be 7-1, now 7-3, back-to-back losses in your own division. And now instead of looking at maybe a 10-win season, you're, uh, you got two games left, which you could certainly win, but then you'll have your bowl game. They might get there, but looking doubtful for now. Got Central Florida continues to win, 35-24 over Navy. 
I'm not really one to talk too much about the arguments of whether Central Florida should be looked at more as a uh, as a true national title contender. Vegas right now has it set as a 31-point underdog if they were to uh, play Alabama. The UCF did beat Pittsburgh earlier this year soundly bad. And that's now a Pittsburgh team that's very likely to be going to the ACC championship game, winning their division. Central Florida's offense is very good, especially when Milton is healthy and playing. They have managed to build a, a strong run game again. Good talent outside. They tend to protect Milton pretty well. The defense has lost a lot of NFL talent. Not as good a unit as it was last year, but, I mean, Central Florida, if they keep scoring 30-plus points every week, which I think they've done every game this season and last season, I mean, that, it, it, that gives you a chance against pretty much anybody if you can put up 30. Uh, I don't think they put up 30 against Bama or Clemson and, you know, Michigan, but at least definitely give you a chance. Uh, it's not the most impressive schedule. It's not. They get another good game this weekend going, I believe they're going to Cincinnati. But either way, I know they're playing Cincinnati. It gives them a, another higher profile game. Luke Fickle's got the Bearcats playing pretty well right now in Cincinnati. So it would be a, a challenge, I think, for them for sure. Uh, and I'm actually very excited to watch the game and uh, see how Central Florida uh, plays in that one. They, they left a little, a little bit to be desired, especially defensively against Temple, but they ended up taking care of that game. And National Spotlight game day is actually going to be in Orlando. So it, it, is, it is UCF. Uh, they will be in Orlando this weekend, so that will be fun for uh, for UCF. And, you know, it, it's a big thing. So UCF fans, I'm sure, are going to come out blazing trying to uh, show off their atmosphere. Florida with a come-behind victory over South Carolina, 35-31. Bit of a, a, bit of a, bit of a controversy here. So we had uh, Felipe Franks actually, you know, put up the finger to, like, shh, to, to quiet his own crowd. Uh, Florida did not have a great turnout from this game from the fans. Uh, so they kind of come crashing, crashing the last couple of weeks, you know, since the Georgia game. Uh, they are 7-3. and three. This was a win that has now put South Carolina in a situation to make it kind of tough for them to get to a bowl game. They have to win one of their last two games, one of them being against Clemson. Uh, Florida still has a chance at an 8 or 9 win, you know, regular season with, you know, a potential 10 spot uh, with the bowl game. I still like what Mullen's doing. This was a pretty impressive performance from Franks. He, you know, he got it back going in this one after they got embarrassed on Missouri last, Missouri last weekend. Scarlet with a big game. Uh, on the South Carolina side, Bentley had a strong performance. Debo Samuel really got going in this one with a couple of big catches. You have to be disappointed if you're must champ. This was a year, and he kind of had this at Florida, where there were high expectations coming into it, and they have not been there. Uh, you know, the past couple of years, it hadn't really been that much, and they've kind of been a team that's improved as the years gone along. They got to say, yeah, pretty good quarterback, pretty good receiver, some tight ends, pretty good cornerbacks and stuff, and, and they they put together pretty good seasons. Now the first year they have some real expectations about them, they do not perform well. They don't. They can't win any of these big games. Uh, they're four and four right now in the conference. Five and you know five and four. 
uh, on the season. Just just not a good look. Not a good look at all for for, uh, for South Carolina. Left them a lot, you know, a lot they can improve on. And certainly looking for more. Uh, but a good bounce back win for Florida. Uh, makes Georgia look good. <laughs> From you know, from a Georgia fans' perspective, but uh, good win, good impressive performance by Frank. We'll see how the fan backlash comes from that. Texas forty-one to thirty-four, they survive as Texas Tech scored twenty-four fourth quarter points. This was a uh, with the Allen Bowman, you know, hospitalization. Unfortunately, last week with a collapsed lung for the second time this season, I worried that Jeff Duffy and Texas Tech would really struggle to score, but Texas is. Second day, again, has not played very well for the last part of the season, despite the high praise I gave them, 37, 47, 444 yards and four touchdowns for Duffy. They uh, lit him up. Antoine Wesley had eight for 171 and two touchdowns of those by himself, but was not enough to take down Texas. Um, as LeJordan Humphrey had the game-winning touchdown very, very late in this one, Sam Ellinger, again, with a good performance, 312 yards, four touchdowns. His touchdown-interception ratio has been incredible. Uh, didn't run the ball very well, especially for him in this one. But uh, Keontae Ingram had a good game, 83 and a touchdown. Uh, this was all about the Jordan Humphrey, 159 yards on eight catches and two touchdowns. Devin DuVernay had uh, two touchdowns of his own on four catches. Uh Big performance from 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 Ellinger. Uh, everybody that's in the podcast knows that I love the kid. Big strong bounce back for Texas after the, you know losing the last couple of weeks. Uh, still got a lot they can look at, and they can still make the you know the Big Twelve championship game. I would say on the whole, this was a big step up for Herman. This was a season that he needed to have. Maybe not quite as high as they wanted to be, but a uh, a good a good bounce back campaign. On the whole, with you know a lot still left to play for. Penn State twenty-two to ten over Wisconsin. Other than Jonathan Taylor's hundred five yard, hundred eighty-five yards and touchdown, Wisconsin without Alex Hornibrook can do very very little in the passing game. Uh, Cohen had a very poor performance again, uh, and that really is what led Penn State to winning. I mean, they, Penn State struggled to move the ball. McSorley could not push the ball downfield at all in this one. Did have a touchdown pass, but they're just for 160 yards on 25 passes, 19 completions. Sanders had a pretty good game, a buck 59, a touchdown. Instead of really throwing McSorley at them a whole bunch of times, he did have 11 carries. That includes sacks. Uh, they used Tommy Stevens a little bit more in this game than they have recently. Um, that kind of came a little bit because McSorley got hurt again in this game, but he did bounce back. I mean, Stevens didn't even throw a pass. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Cohen was 9 for 20, 60 yards, two interceptions, a very poor performance. Um, has to make you appreciate Alex Hornerbrook, for sure. Uh, Hornerbrook's the guy that I like. A little bit of a gunslinger to him, but pushes the ball down the field well, and when he's on, it's an extremely accurate passer. This was kind of a bit of a breakout performance for Michael Parsons, one of the uh, – Parsons, excuse me – one of the, uh, you know, the better recruits from this past class. Uh, for Penn State, uh, there's been some rumblings. The Nittany Lions fans are a little bit disappointed in James Franklin, but I think with the youth around this, you know, in this team outside of McSorley, I think he's put together a pretty good campaign. Uh, it's not what they want, but still, still a pretty good one nonetheless. And this, this was a big win to uh, distance themselves and kind of give him the, uh, you know, another impressive win. 
Northwestern just continues to win in the Big Ten. Went on the road, beat Iowa 14-10. to Their offense is, uh, is no good. Don't move the ball very well. The defense is tough, though. They've run the football a little bit. Uh, and this one, Bowser had 31 carries. Uh, went right at Iowa's defense. He did have 165 yards of touchdown. They clinch their division. They're going to play Michigan or Ohio State for the Big Ten Championship. And the way that Northwestern has played in the Big Ten the last two years, can't completely sleep on it. Uh, they would be incredibly heavy underdogs in my book with how limited the offense is. But defense plays tough. Uh, they would need a good performance out of Thorson. But Northwestern continues to win. Uh, they, they are not a team that I would recommend people uh, – you know, just just flipping over the channel and watching, but uh, but another win. That's what that, that's what they continue to do. Did not win a single game outside of the conference, and now are going to the conference championship game. Iowa State twenty eight to fourteen over Baylor. Really shut down Baylor's somewhat explosive passing. You know, offense. Uh, this was a game though that was a bit weird. Iowa State was easily outgained five up five three fifty five. But they did a better job on third down, even though Baylor was three for five on fourth downs. Uh, but penalties, just inopportune. You know, Baylor would move the ball, struggled on Iowa State side of the field. I mean, they didn't even have a turnover. Uh, losing them two, you know, possessions on fourth down didn't help. Penalties in certain spots really hurt them in this game. Uh, but yeah, on most sides would would have definitely pointed to a uh, a win for Baylor in this one, but they come up short. Iowa State, uh, of course, who has the the only lone win over West Virginia this year in an absolute beatdown uh, a couple weeks ago, has put together back to back really strong campaigns there for uh, Matt Campbell, despite having to deal with quarterback injuries and uh, you know losing a lot of talent off of last year's team, uh, but. Keep on winning. Brutal schedule this year, and they're still at uh, six and three on the campaign, or excuse me, seven and three on the campaign. Uh, yeah, round the rest of college football. You had Cal beating USC the first time I think since two thousand three. Uh, big upset out there. I, I Helton's seat is getting warm. Um, I, there, there's been enough talk about it where now I can't. I can no longer be like ah, I'm kind of giving it the benefit of the doubt, but. You have to kind of be worried about it now. Obviously, he's dealing with JT Daniels, true freshman quarterback that should be a senior in high school this year. But, you know, with Swan as athletic director, Hilton was not a guy that he hired. You just you kind of see the writing on the wall. Um, I like Hilton as a coach. I think, you know, they're just two years away from that great run with Darnold to the Rose Bowl. I don't know. But it's it's quickly come back down to earth. Uh, in other news, I can't decide whether or not Purdue is going is is a good offense or not. Uh, you know they they show good moments. They beat Ohio State and they beat another team. Then they they go into crapper offensively. Past weekend they got beat forty one to ten by Minnesota. The touchdown did go to Ron Demel, which always makes me happy. <laughs> um, Missouri gets bowl eligible. With a win over Vanderbilt, Georgia Southern Falls at home to Troy. 
Arizona State gets it win over UCLA. UCLA is two and five in the Pac-12, and now he's a chance to uh, beat USC in a big rivalry game. Uh, Nebraska, fifty-four to thirty-five over Illinois. Uh, Nebraska's offense is, is coming around. Martinez is, of course, a special talent that I have uh, talked up in spurts here on the podcast. See if there's really anything else uh, of major discussion. I wanted to bring up the USC one in particular with uh, with the coach situation. Utah did hold on despite not having their starting quarterback and starting running back. 32-25 to at home against Oregon despite a pretty good performance from Herbert. Uh, Oregon's defense just could not stop Armand Shine at all. 174 yards on 26 carries. Dylan Mitchell's emergence continues. 169 yards, two touchdowns there for Oregon. Georgia Tech beats Miami 27-21. to Oh, how the mighty have fallen. That loss gets worse and worse. Or well, the win for LSU gets worse and worse with every Miami loss. Uh, I, Rick may be gone this year, too. Uh, it could be. I just wanted the things, you know, you kind of say that tongue-in-cheek. I very, very much doubt he gets fired. But there are some fringe spots in, in among Power 5 schools that could – could really shake things up this year if they decide to go in a different direction. Cincinnati 35-23 sets them up with a good matchup this weekend against uh, UCF. And again, California v. USC 15-14. Could not get anything going offensively. And that'll do it. I think that's all I wanted to cover for today. End up being a little bit longer than I wanted to, but what do you do? Uh, as always, thank you guys for listening. Be back with a preview show a little bit later in the week. Kind of talk about some things maybe in the playoff rankings if anything drastic changes tonight. But uh, as always, thanks for listening. Go dogs.